Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. Hey, this is Jim McMahon, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I had to pop a beer for this one. Hello, boy. Yeah. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, that's then, it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> about that I mean, that's the whole objective is get there. You know, like a fat kid seeing a plate of cake across the room. You want to you get there and, and dive at it. You is know, that, I mean. Is so, that how we recruit him now? I'm Bill Moss, former Kansas City Chief. And this is the Jim Bob Show. 720 WGN and great stations around the country high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and Jim Bob on the line with us, one of the acclaimed players, broadcasters, so much greatness there with the Kansas City Chiefs. And let me tell you something. I don't not to make a mystery guess. Number 63, <laughs> first round draft pick out of the University of Pittsburgh. I mean, nose tackle. Hey, when you're a first round pick as a nose tackle, you are you gotta a, be pretty you're, good. You're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Moss, buddy, long time. He's a pro bowler. He's rookie of the year by the Associated Press, and he was a Fox commentator for about 12 years, and he's my friend, and I'm glad to have you on the show, brother. Guys, glad to be here. Let me ask you a question. Is, is, you know, WGN, that's that's big-time stuff, right? You guys are big-time. We don't want to brag about it, Billy, but, you know, we're kind of big, okay? I mean, I mean, we got we got 70% of the United States listening to us right now. 30, you know, yeah, 38 states and Canada at night. 38 states. I've been in Florida and heard WGN on the car radio and then uh, the greater Midwest at all times. Well, and here's the deal. I mean, we're just cool. <laughs> and that's why we brought you on, because we wanted to be cooler. <laughs> but anyhow, well, that's, hey, uh, that's outstanding. That's 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 great stuff. I mean, they must be hurting for programming. <laughs> <laughs> how's your uh, how's your health doing? Because Billy and I, everybody knows. Because I've been telling everybody for about five weeks now. Because this this knee replacement deal, number one, it sucks. But number two, they kind of hurt. How's your knee replacement doing now? You're about a year out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's finally there. It took you know, it took almost all of a year in rehab. I mean, you go to bed at night, and it, it was just it's, and you wake up in the morning, it's just ungodly. Pain, yeah, I, right? Boy, I tell you what, do you, do you have that with your blood flowing in and out? Yeah, you know the way you lay and stuff, Gosh, yeah. and, and, and throbbing. You wake up in the morning, you're just when's this going to end? And you know, it, it, it takes a while on that rehab now, but you know, lo and behold, I'm I'm out of it now. I'm out of that side of it, and I feel good, and I'm back to working out, and it feels really good. Good. I've got, uh, I had two old ladies, and I don't want to say old because I'm catching them really quickly, but uh, they got to be like 79 and 80, 81 or whatever. And they had surgery the same day I did. And so we're in rehab together. Okay. We're at therapy. <laughs> and these, these gals are running around. Come on, Jerry. Let's go, Jeff. Let's go. And they're, they're dancing practically. And it just, it just irked to the nth because they recovered so fast. I mean, of course, you know, they've got like a two inch scar for the, 
for the putting in the knee replacement and all the steel. And I've got like a foot. It's got to be at least a foot scar on my it's knee. At least. Yeah. I mean, but oh, yeah. women just are so much tougher than, I mean, you know, first of all, nose tackle. I mean, that's got to be like the toughest, but that's got to be like the toughest job in the NFL. Is that I wonder one of the things we were going to ask you is that with everything that's, that's going on in the change in the game and so forth, you know, what do you think some of these rules have done? I mean, when you played in the 90s, and by the way, it says, is it a like fire a, alarm? It's a telemarketing. It's a telemarketing. It's in a boiler room. Exactly. Like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's exactly. A, it's a telemarketing office. Let's bill up to it these days. He's a telemarketer. It's like timeshares and stuff. <laughs> but playing play nose tackle back in, you know, when you played, um, you know, and so forth. How do you think the game and some of the rule changes have affected that position today? I don't know about, you know, how the interior line has, has really been affected by much of anything. I mean, as a pass rusher or somebody trying to get to the quarterback, but those things, I mean, my gosh, you know, when, when you're that big and you're, you're trying to run that hard and fast, you just want to get there. I mean, that, the whole objective is get there. You know, like a fat kid seeing a plate of cake across the room. You want to, you want to get there and, and dive at it. You is know, that, I mean, is so. that how we recruit them now? Let's put a cake out there. First one to the cake, you're, you're going to be a number yeah. one draft choice. Well, in Rocky, you know, they're chasing chickens. Maybe that is a new coaching technique. <laughs> That's awesome analogy. But, no. uh, but, uh, but uh, then, then they're asking them to kind of change. In the middle of that, you can't get a fat guy chasing cake to change in the middle of that. I mean, oh, no, hit the cake low. or You can only hit him in the middle. Like, uh, how about pie? What if we got a pie? <laughs> oh, don't hit him in the frosting. <laughs> and then somebody's got a string on the cake or, or the pie, and they're right. pulling it. They're right, yeah. Different direction. That's just not fair. Well, like it's, a, it's like a Patrick Mahomes cake. It's shifty. You don't know where it's going to go. Okay. Oh, my God. The Dane, help me out a little bit here my god he's he's he, this is a new way we recruit kids now we just throw some cake with a lot of frosting out there go hey whichever fat kid gets to it, that kid is who we're, we're gonna draft number one yeah. he's got a future it'll be like the wonderlick test but they do like how hungry are you yeah well billy you and i were we were at the chiefs packers game a few years ago and we were down there you know front row front and center and, and they had the fastest team i've ever seen i mean and we're sitting there right on the field and they had Tyreek and and you know he's blistering yeah. a four one and I can't remember they had that other wide receiver who was like a four one McCall Hartman. Hartman. They had two like four one, four two guys and I'm sitting there going Geez, and you know, I go, I was pretty fast, but there was no way the quickness. I said I couldn't play, and, and then you go, you. I'm thankful I got out when I did. Look at the size of these summer bucks. I mean, yeah. if you really think as far as the involvement of the game today, uh, give us your thoughts on that. Really, I mean, if you did an evolution thing going back to when professional football started, and and you looked at the sizes of linemen and the specialists and running backs and if you could put that all in a chart from the time professional football started till now and categorize it and look at it, you'd be shocked. Everybody would be shocked. I mean, an offensive tackle was 185 pounds back when it started. Well, none and of those guys in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, or 60s could have played today. <laughs> no, I, I, and, I, and I would contend that a lot of the guys now, you know, that are coming out in the 80s, they, they couldn't play with these guys. I mean, when I first got into the league, 
if you played against a 300-pound offensive lineman, you knew, like if it said, like if you have your scouting report, it says, you know, 6'3", 305, you're like, oh boy, I got a, I got a powder cake, right? You knew he was going to be fat and soft. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, it's you're 6'7", 335, and, you know, all muscle. So all muscle. It, it's completely different. And can move. I mean, and have great feet. Yeah. I mean, man, right. some of these guys, I, I don't know that the public, when you, I've, I've seen him. I've seen these guys move in action at practice. I mean, 6'7", 360, and he looks like Fred Astaire. I mean, you know, he's just missing the, the cane or the umbrella. <laughs> right. Well, and he protects yeah, the cake, yeah. baby. He, this dude, this dude, you know, there's two fat guys going against each other. This guy's big and muscly, I, and I, he's protecting. In that cake, I see baby. a new Food Network show here. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the food. Hey, next thing you know, we're going to have Betty Crocker on. We're going to have all kinds of sponsorships out of this. No, so Bill, think about like what is it? Is it just that you're identifying people that are bigger and then they're being motivated and inspired to get into into football? Are the genetics of just the the human species completely different in the last twenty years, or is it is it just the coaching side of it? What's attributing to just this whole difference in the physical? makeup of the players yeah you know that's a great question i mean i think it's a question for society actually i mean i don't know when did they start pumping uh, uh steroids into cows and chickens you know we're, we're the ones eating them yeah so you're a product of, of what you're eating and and if you look over the time period that that's all happened that's when all the food demands became so high that they couldn't keep up so you had a I, that's my thought this yeah. theory anyhow i don't i could be there's no other explanation of all all of a sudden a growth spurt and these enormous individuals or everybody walking around the street are, are huge or you know mm. and and muscular the athletes the training the technology of training is completely different than it was when when we played you know you had a it was more about endurance uh when we played but the training and understanding of explosive power and how it transcends onto the field and how do you, how can you become you guys watched the, the documentary the quarterback right it's great yeah well what about Patrick Mahomes guy that he brought into training is that not unbelievable technology and training you know I talked and to I, I talked to Jeff Christensen you know who does throw it deep you know he's Mahomes throwing coach and I asked him about that and he goes yeah, it works. He goes, you know, and they, they've got him in these different positions and rolling that rollerball over him. He goes, you know, Patrick gets in some weird positions when he's playing and throwing and when he gets hit. Yeah. And we want, they want, we, the reason we're rolling him out with those rollers as he's in those weird positions, if you watch quarterbacks, is that he's going to land and at least his body is going to be somewhat acclimated to that fall. And that, re- yeah. that helps us in the recovery. I, and I go, well, you know, you got Mahomes and you got all these other guys doing their special stuff. I mean, you got guys getting, you know, going to the chiropractor twice a week. He's getting a deep tissue massage twice a week. They'll be doing dry needling, all the, all the different things. But today, I mean, these guys are after practice. I mean, they're at the healthcare professional more than they're right. at the field. I mean, you only have 20 right. hours this, these days a week, yeah. you know, so that's a big deal. I mean, 20 hours. God, you were no Billy back in our day. I mean, we, hey, if you didn't get it right, back up, do it again. We're three and a half hours in practice. <laughs> yeah, and, and and after practice, you you, you headed to the bar. 
So, you know, that's... <laughs> well, I mean, it ties into a little bit of this, but for you guys, as opposed to all of this holistic health and mind and body and all that, and just all of that healthcare that's built into it, for you guys, I mean, there were there were trainers. Was it just pain management, like making you guys at least not feel so much pain that you couldn't play? Was that it? Yeah, and you know, I think some of that's different, too. I was talking about it last year when, when Patrick Mahomes, you know, got his ankle injury and couldn't walk and all of a sudden he comes back in the AFC Championship game and has an unbelievable game and as well as the Super Bowl. And it, it used to be whatever they shot you with to numb the pain, I mean, you literally couldn't feel anything. So running was kind of like when your foot hit the ground, you couldn't you couldn't feel it hit the ground. So pushing off and all those things were like, it was weird. You know, you, if, you, if you're trying to run and you can't feel the ground, if you can imagine that, your brain's thinking... What? Yeah. How, how do I run? And, and it, it, it's a weird feeling. But, you know, the things they use now and the technology they have and the medicine they have now, yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, a lot more advanced. And yeah. so you're able to cope, cope more with things. I don't know what they're using. I know when we, we got shot up, and I can't remember all the different Nova Canes and Canes that they were using. Is that, but I remember those shoulder shots that I would take and – you couldn't feel your shoulder. I mean, you, you know, you get good enough to go out there and you'd, you'd hit somebody. But, man, after the game, when that stuff started wearing off, the burning yeah. sensations, it just – people don't realize it. It's like somebody took a, a hot poker and stuck through wherever you got shot at, whether it was your knee or your arm, your hip, whatever. But, boy, they burnt. I mean, they just – and it took hours for that burning to stop. Hey, you know, as being as great a player as you were and just a ton of respect for, you know, your Pro Bowl seasons and, you know, Know, rookie of the year honor and, and things like that and I know you stay a part of the game and I this guy right here Bill Moss to me was was one of the the I thought was the best studio anchor game analyst in the business from you know 96 to 2007 and so I know you're staying on the game your thoughts about the Chiefs and that dismal performance with the Lions give us your take on it you know I, well there's a lot that goes into it you know first of all the mental aspect of it, you know, is it the old question is, is it harder to become the best or is it harder to stay the best? You know, and all off season, you know, Detroit knew who their opener was and they, this is, they want to make a presence and their coaches drilled it in them. And it, 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 it plays, it plays a part of it. There's no doubt it plays a big part of it. The other side of it is too, you know, I, I still think that, you know, the new NFL is September is kind of like August. It, it's kind of like training camp. I mean, because of the restrictions of the collective bargaining agreement and practice, you can't emulate game speed. And I don't care what you say. So if you don't play all your guys or most of your guys, but one series or, or no series in the preseason, you can't emulate it. Like, I, there's no practice that can emulate game speed. It, it just doesn't happen. I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care if it's line play, quarterback play, throwing the football, timing and routes, all catching the football, the speed of the football. All those things are different when it counts because it doesn't count in practice. Oh, I can make a mistake. I'm going to give it a good go, but yeah, it looks yeah, good. But in a game, it, it, there's no margin for error. I mean, it, and everything is that quick. And so if you if you if you don't practice at that speed. You, you can't just go out there and play at that speed. And that, I think that accounted for a lot of Tony's drops, a lot of the miscommunication, a lot of the confusion and in, in route running and things of that nature. But you can't make excuses. I mean, it is what it is. You lost the game. So 
they've got to, they've got to pull it together and, and get back on track quickly. Do you look at the expectations and just what was the 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 contradiction of what people expected and what people saw? And with all of that, Jim Bob describes it as a debacle. If you could have been there, we were there with the fans. They only lost by one point. Right? So, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. like it was a real debacle. Well, the, from 20, the, 21 of 39, uh, he was off target 20, 22%, and they had 19% of his were dropped. And so that that right there, 21 of 39 performance from Mahomes and the receivers, that was pretty bad. But regardless of, of the score, do you think what it meant, like the, the significance of it, was what people felt was big? I think just the loss is, is what the outcome is, is what you play the game for, right? And I think Kansas City has become so accustomed to winning that a team like Detroit coming into Arrowhead Stadium should not go come out of there with the W. But you look closer into the numbers and you take all those things, and, and you know, Patrick Mahomes' numbers were terrible yeah, in the terrible. second half. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a, a career low for him. But look at the drops. Look at the problems. And all those things are, are correctable. So... To lose a game by one point, you have your defense hold the, uh, their opponent's offense to 14 points. You know, that's darn good stuff, especially even when Chris Jones isn't in the mix. So there's a lot of good things to look at statistically uh, for them in the future going forward. I think your question mark is, you know, each one of those receivers, they have seven. It's the first time Andy Reid has kept seven receivers ever, but there's seven of them. And each of them have a unique talent. They're all different in different ways, right? So Andy's mind, he can conjure up all these different ways to emphasize their, you know, asset to, to the position. But here's the problem. I mean, what we're talking about with all these young guys is potential. We're talking about potential. We see it, but we're talking about potential. Can they reach that potential on the field at game time? And for them, that's their biggest challenge of those seven receivers. It's they've got to step up and become dependable receivers. I feel like the Chiefs can shake it off and they understand what it means. It's one game, even if the fan base is, is up in arms and they realize they didn't play as well as they could for the Lions. And this is a team and of course the coaching staff and just, there's just so much anticipation. I think a lot of hope for that fan base, for those players, for that team. Talk about the significance of a game like this as one of those sort of statement games to say like, we are here. We can compete. Well, We're a different Lions that, team. That comment on that then plus the fact that they talks about shaking it off well they're getting ready to go play the jacksonville jaguars so shaking it off for the chiefs is another another thing but what do you think that meant for the lions going forward i think that whole culture dan camel's presenting there is something special he's a player's coach yeah so anytime a coach comes in you know to a losing team and has to try to change the culture your biggest hurdle is winning over the locker room and getting them to buy in Right. And you've seen the difference it makes with the Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Well, Dan Campbell came into a fledgling for years, fledgling Detroit Lions team and was selling something that he needed these guys to buy into. And he kept on ramming it down their throat and drilling it down their throat and practicing it and preaching it every single day until they started buying in. And it wasn't so about halfway through the season last year that they started seeing some success and the second part of their season was really good. So there was a good carryover and with a win against the chiefs at Arrowhead and staying composed when things could have gone bad for them a number of times, but they stayed composed. You could tell they bought in to just keep working. Don't worry about the fans. Don't worry about the whistle. Don't worry about how much time's on the clock. Just keep working. 
and they come out of there with the win, and that paid off. So I, I think for them, it's propelled them that they, they believe in themselves. Now, do they have enough talent you know, to continue to win? They've got a lot of workers, and they yeah. work hard. But yeah. do they have enough talent on offense and defense to win at a consistent basis? I agree with that. I think that's the that's the big deal is that, you know, Kansas City, when you look at them and you look at who they've got at quarterback and you look at, at Kelsey and, and uh, you look at defensively. By the way, you know, speaking of talent, Kansas City's laden with it. I don't think Detroit has enough talent to do exactly what I don't think they've – I think they got enough talent to win nine games this year. Now, can they win that tenth game and get into the playoffs and be a, a contender? We'll see. I mean, but they got a lot of workers. But moving to Jones's contract that he just signed, and I, I'm curious. You know, Bosa gets thirty four million bucks, all right, a year. Yeah. And Jones yeah. gets twenty plus incentives. What do you think about the contrast between those two contracts? And and by the way, we probably wouldn't even be friends if you were playing today and getting twenty some million. You'd be such a such a big snob, and you would. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you'd be like, hey, listen, I don't mess around with people. I'm making twenty some million a year, but. What about these contracts? Talk about Bosa. Talk about Jones' contract. Talk about the contrast because I thought Jones should have got more dough personally, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well, it, actually, there, there wasn't any dough. It, it just it was an agreement for both sides to come back. That's it. It's, it's the same one-year deal, and they gave him a couple of easy incentives to make, make back to cover his fine money from, from training camp and the first game. So he, in essence, there was it was it was a holdout for nothing. And at the end of the day, what what I see is he would have been better off hiring Lamar Jackson as his agent <laughs> than the guys he had. Well, no doubt, Lamar scored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's Lamar's next career. Okay, be like Jay Z, like, like a side gig. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing doesn't make sense now. Here's here's the Chiefs won that deal hands down. I mean that's a huge win for them because you know now if he, if Chris wants his third big payday with guaranteed money, he's going to have to get into the free agent market and that comes next year. So that forces him now to come in and play and perform, yeah. which a couple of those incentives are performance based. You know how much of the time he plays thirty five percent of the time, fifty percent of the time. How many sacks does he get? Ten sacks, fifteen sacks, different numbers. So. He's in a position where he thought he could get a lot of guaranteed money and come back and have an extension, but now he's got to come back. And now he really has to perform to get those numbers and to get to where he wants to be as a free agent. Bill, after the big Bears loss, the Bears are starting to question just about everything about everything. That oh, we man, do. Come on. We, we've talked about the you know the Chiefs and the system, and I think and anybody can you know get lucky on some amazing athletes that individually can do things. But when you look at whether it's a system or whether it's scouts, and you look at you know the Bears just missing on everything, and you look at the Chiefs doing so many different things that are even the Packers look at on as a system, whether it's the scouting or or the system itself. You know they seem to be consistently better and more. Sound. What are the Bears doing let me, wrong? Let me all just make it easy. Why are the Bears sucking? Okay. <laughs> For like ever. I mean, the, yeah. what, what in their organization? Because I'll tell you what, I watched that game. I thought Jordan Love, I, I wasn't impressed with anybody in the first half. And then the adjustments in halftime, the Packers look great second half. But Dane's right. What is the common denominator here with the Bears to me look like they're worse than last year? And they're going to go to Tampa Bay this weekend. And Tampa Bay blitzes more than anybody in the NFL. I think they're the second most blitzing 
uh, defensive team. I'll be surprised if Justin Fields doesn't get hurt in that game, to be honest. But what are the Bears doing wrong? They're not changing what? Uh, ownership. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I mean, because, you know, they, they, they really keep tripping over themselves. And I, I think when that happens, you, you really do have to look at, at the top because that's where it all starts. I mean, who's, who's making those decisions in the, in the general manager? Uh, who's bringing in the head coach? I mean, they, they seem to change all the time, right? Um, and then if you bring in a head coach, you know, uh, what's, who, who's around him? that they know that they can hire. You have to look at that. Like, who who are they hiring, okay? You know, all due respect to all those guys that are on the Bear staff. I mean, well, let's go through it. Luke yeah. Getze, right? You know, and Matt. Matt was, you know, he was with the Indianapolis Colts for a long time as a defensive coordinator. Okay, are you overseeing the defense? Your, your defense isn't looking real good right now. With Luke Getze, what's your history in offense in what you're doing and how you you want to build and structure your offensive team around Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about if Justin Fields was anywhere else, right? Look, when you go high as a quarterback to a team that loses, there's a reason they're a losing team. And the quarterback isn't the guy that's just going to bail you out. You need someone to, to be able to develop a quarterback and a system around him him to be successful. What his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and how to get the most out of them, right? And for for Chicago, it it just seems like they're running plays, and there's not a real system to benefit any of those guys that they have, whether it be Justin Fields or you're talking about Claypool or DJ Moore or, or Cole Met. These guys... How can you get the most out of them? What are you doing to get the most out of them? Your running game. Is Herbert your guy? Is Khalil Herbert your guy? Is that What things can you do to get him going? What about your offensive line? I mean, it just doesn't seem like the, there's a system in place for them to succeed with the, with the skilled positions that they have. It seems discombobulated. It really does. It, it just seems like everything that you're saying just resonates with me. I don't see any continuity in what There's they're trying. There's no cohesive plan. Nothing. It's like putting out fires. Yeah, it's yeah. like just running plays. Yeah, and I don't want to be right. so that critical. But, man, after that performance and then this Tampa Bay game, I mean, hey, you're not going against one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the league in Baker Mayfield, but all Baker Mayfield has done is surprise people. I mean, he right. surprised everybody except the cop that ran him down when he was at OU. <laughs> that cop goes, oh, don't even try that, dude. I'm going to catch you. I mean, which, that cop, people don't realize that, but he was like a 60-yard sprint champion for OU one year. So that was, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair to criticize Baker getting caught by the police officer but but really they go into they go to tampa and they don't play well there they, they get dismantled by by tampa man but boy i tell you what it's, it could be yeah. yeah it would be really really become an, an ugly situation and a long long season if they they go down there and can't pull one out so bill it's been great to have you here on the show for uh we'll have links up at all the stations nationwide if people want to keep up with you of course they can hear you on the el bandito yankee segment on 810 the espn affiliate right there in kansas city and where else can people go social media wise to keep up i'm at twitter at bill Moss. i'm on there sometimes but probably on sundays most but i'm not one of those guys that tweets every play but <laughs> if i find if i find something interesting i'll, I'll be sure to 
say something about it. Maybe. Thanks for being on the Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition. Hey, hey, Dane, Dane, can you do me a favor? Sure. Can you ask your friend? Can you ask your friend Jim Bob to send me an El Bandito North Face jacket, please? Done. <laughs>